Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be a question and answer session that followed my talk about a horde mode, if we're ever going to get one coming into Destiny 2. There's been rumors about a new activity coming in the next annual pass delivery, Season of Opulence, and I talked about all the modes they've gotten very close, but never really gone the full distance. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always catch me live, twitch.tv slash rage. Uh, and we're going to go through the questions right now. We're just going to jump right in. First question coming in from Rexus says, Hey Lono, I'm PC only player regarding FPS and I love the universe of Destiny to bits. Uh, now a little scared they might leave PC behind for Destiny 3. You think that's possible or is the PC only player base too large? They're, they would be really, really uh, silly, I think, at this point to get rid of PC. Uh, for a handful of reasons. Number one, the next consoles that get delivered are going to be pretty close to PC performance, uh, capable at least. Uh, They're going to be pretty significant. So I think whatever they build next is going to be scalable between the two. I know a lot of people are worried. They're like, oh, well, such and such. I think what VV worked on the port, Vicarious Visions worked on the port. Um, but that I don't think that means that they suddenly can't do uh, PC content. I also know if they're going to be rebuilding the next game in a new engine, then that would obviously make it pretty easy to put it on PC because we're all hoping they go to like the Unreal Engine, launch it on the Epic Store, cross-play, cross-save, cross, you know, all that beautiful stuff that comes with the Epic Store. But again, a lot of this is like high-minded wishes. At the very, very bottom rung of possibilities is them leaving PC behind. That would be a significant... Uh, step back for the franchise I would think PC player base isn't the majority but it certainly is large and it also is a uh, it's a ripe player base for new for new users um, it's a ripe player base for new users it's a right player base for uh, for people to become fans of Destiny and if they're going to a more classic RPG style a more hardcore RPG style if the rumors are to be believed I would be, it'd be odd for them to say, oh yeah, we're also going to leave behind PC. You would think they'd want to appeal more uh, to the new, that the PC players and the PC audience. Destinyboy222 says, Hey Lona, what do you think of the gameplay loop could be in Season of Opulence? For example, in Black Armory, we farm for god roll weapons, and in Season of the Drifter, we make armor to improve our Gambit Prime abilities. I just hope that six-player matchmade activity has unique loot unlike the blind well well the blind well could be a farm for dreaming city weapons i mean there's some pretty cool dreaming city guns so i don't think they need to necessarily every time they come up with a new activity give us armor with armor perks i could definitely get behind that you know if you have armor perks for the raid armor perks for the you know the new horde mode if you have armor perks for gambit prime that can start to get a little absurd i still think if they're going to go that route i believe they can if they're going to go that route i think they need to create a loadout system so you could have like five loadouts you could very easily click the little button above your character and it would pull in everything for the various activities that you're kind of kitted for LA Hockey Man. What would rewards for the mode be? Better rewards for a certain time? Yeah, I mean, I talked about that in the talk, how, like, it would need to be a very different bounty system. It would basically say, complete waves of the of the Castellum, is, is like a generic way they could phrase it. And if you get to wave 7 and I get to wave 4, like, we're playing, we're not playing together. If you get to wave 7 and I get to wave 4, we both charged up our bounty, and when we discharge it, we get rewards. The higher you get, you get more glimmer, legendary shards, enhancement cores, maybe a higher chance of a better, you know, better roll on the weapon, curated roll, whatever. Uh, and this way, you don't have to go back to the tower either. So it keeps you in there, it keeps you grinding, but it also enables you to feel that sense of, I get more if I get further. Ace Trainer Joe, where did you see these rumors? Has anything been verified? I thought for sure there was an there was an annual pass schedule that talked about a new six-man activity, or at least Bungie verified there's a new six-man activity. Now, they've not gone on to say there's some type of a horde mode. I think we've just been kind of saying and deducing from some of the leaks from like Shadow of the Nine, the Nine that if they do a six-man a new six-man match-made activity, that kind of lends itself to being like a horde mode style because what else would it be? It's not going to be a raid. It's not going to be a raid layer. It ain't going to be a strike. A horde mode makes the most sense because you put if you put a lot of you know players in an area 
and it's match made, what's one of the easiest things you could throw at people? Well, a horde mode, you know? I think it's a safe... Uh, I think it's a safe assumption. Matchmaking and Reckoning probably hasn't gone that well, and people are confirming in chat that there is, in fact, on the roadmap, a new six-man activity that is not a raid. So, there's just nothing official about it being a horde mode. We've just been kind of guessing. Soul Cube. Why is Bungie doing nothing against the bad matchmaking, especially for solo players like me? And why are there no weapon balance in PvP? Why is Bungie doing nothing against Luna Not Forgotten carries or sells via eBay? It's frustrating and drives me away from the game. You got a lot of things in here. Well, I'll start with the Luna Not Forgotten carries on eBay. They've never done anything about that. That's not in their jurisdiction. They don't really seem to care to be, you know, bothered about chasing after people that are selling a service. If the consumers are willing to pay for the service, then why do you care, right? I know it's not fun if you feel like you're going up against stacked teams that are carries, but if they're not carrying, I guess they would just be stacked without weak players that are paying for the carry. Um, Now, if they're doing, like, if they're doing account recoveries, that's obviously a little bit different because then they're on, like, a lower-rated character or, or, you know, player, and they're just wrecking face. I mean, that's not fun. As far as balancing PvP, they've made changes to balance PvP. They made changes to supers. They made changes to exotics. Uh, they've made adjustments to try to balance PvP. Matchmaking for solo players. I don't know what you want them to do. I, they do enough already. Do you know why I completely stopped grinding for the Gambit uh, Pinnacle Weapon, the Delirium? Because they try to protect people like you. As soon as I stack up with my buddies, they throw high-level players at me all day. So every Gambit match I played, whether it was Prime or Normal Gambit, it was an absolute sweat fest. It wasn't fun, and I stopped playing. I don't care. I don't need your stupid weapon. I was going for it as a sense of reward. But as soon as I get the Legend in Gambit, I only get, I only level up if I win. And the new matchmaking makes it a very, very unenjoyable experience. And there's all the cliche responses of, oh, you want to beat up on solo players, you want to beat up on kids. No, not really. I don't mind having a challenging game every now and again, but every single game was an absolute down-to-the-wire sweat fest, and it was just really unfun. That's not what I want to do with my time of leisure. And so, you know... Solo matchmaking, if they do too much to protect you, it hurts the experience of other people. Um, And it wasn't even putting up against stacked teams. I would be fine if they said, when you run a four stack, we're going to try and put you against another four stack. That's not what they do. That's not what they do. If you run a four stack, it tries to find high level like good players in Gambit to try to even it out. So you end up going against four randoms, but they're all like really, really sweaty Gambit players. So people have actually seen, I've seen comments on Twitter. I've seen comments on Reddit. People are saying they have an easier time in Gambit when they run with like a two stack, two or three stack. They try to influence the game as much as they can. Running a four stack was just not fun. It was brutal. I didn't mind, right? I didn't mind when I played with the four stack encountering another four stack. They're organized. It's a little bit more tough, but most of the time those games were, they didn't feel like a sweat fest every single time. Now I'm not saying solo players need to be cannon fodder in my montage. Just keep feeding me solo players so I can kick them around. I'm also not saying if you're playing solo, find friends, but you have to have reasonable expectations. If you're a solo player going into objective based game modes, game modes that require teamwork, synergy, cooperation, timing, and you're, and you're frustrated at you having a bad time. Some of it's because you're trying to play a game. That's not really cut out for solo play. Uh, you know, some of it's because you're in an imperfect world. They can't always match you against solo players. They can't always match you against players that are close to your skill level, right? So, there there is no happy, perfect answer here. If they do everything in their, if they do everything they can to protect solo players, do you know what happens? Matchmaking takes forever because if you play with buddies or you do a full stack, it it struggles to find people to match you against because it's doing everything it can to protect solos. Solos are needed. They gap fill teams. They gap fill a team with three players, two players. If you're going into six v six, they gap fill teams that have five players. If you're not able to gap fill with solo players, matchmaking takes a dadgum eternity. Then connection quality goes down because you're trying to match me against another. Another stack and this stack happens to be in Tokyo you see what I'm saying so there there is no perfect answer here there just isn't 
if if you're doing everything you can to protect the solo player, you end up discouraging people from playing together, playing organized, and playing well, which is to a certain extent ludicrous. It's like, why on earth would I play with my buddies if this is going to be the experience? So, Evil the Waffler. A while ago, I asked you if you like zombies, which is a horde mode, and you said no. Why would you like a horde mode in Destiny then? No, zombies is not a horde mode. No. If you're talking about Call of Duty zombies, I never really got into Call of Duty zombies because back then I preferred to play Team Deathmatch. Well, not Team Deathmatch. Back then I preferred to play like Headquarters and Capture the Flag. Uh, or, I'm sorry, Team Defender. I didn't like zombies in, in, in Call of Duty because it wasn't attached to a loot grind. It was just get as far as you can and then you fail and you got to do it all over again. In Destiny, a horde mode could be get as far as you can, see if you get a dope reward, and do it all over again. If you're going to try and compare Call of Duty zombies to a horde mode in Destiny, you're jumping over like 18 buildings to make that comparison. It's not even remotely the same. It always felt like... I don't know. It's like it's like Risk of Rain 2 was a lot of fun, but then I just get burned out. I'm like, I'm just doing the same thing over and over again. My sense of progress starts to kind of dwindle because I'm not unlocking characters anymore, and something similar kind of happened in Call of Duty Zombies. A horde mode in Destiny could be really fun because similar to when I would just grind Archon's Forge over and over again, or grind the Forges in Black Armory over and over again, there's a sense of chasing a reward, a piece of gear, that kind of keeps you in there. Uh, Cube. why would you want more content if the old content isn't even fixed? Uh, I'm used to that. I am used to that quality over quantity. First of all, what old content isn't even fixed? What are you talking about? This is incredibly broad. All the raids, all the strikes, all the nightfalls, all the public events, all the adventures, all the lost sectors, all the bounties, all the quests, everything works. Like, what are you actually talking about? They fixed the issue with Ada's bounties not rotating properly. The only thing that's not been working properly is Nightfalls have not been, like, rotating appropriately. What do you mean old content isn't fixed? I'm not sure what you're talking about. Now, the guitar errors in uh, Last Wish, as far as I know, those got fixed. Other than that, I don't know what you mean by if they can't fix the old content, why should they give us new content? I'm not sure what you're driving at. Terminator. Would you like to see Destiny invent its own horde mode identity, or would it be beneficial for Destiny to take ideas from Gears of War 3 or Warframe? I think they already have everything they need for a good horde mode. Simple mechanics, bosses, mini-bosses, trash ads, majors, like, they have everything you need for a, for a wave-based combat. I, it's kind of like a... It's kind of built into the game already. Well, right. I mean, fixing Leviathan bugs. I, I honestly think I think most of the Leviathan bugs stem from they stem from a connection issue more than anything. White Light. Do you think Bungie could take anything from Call of Duty Zombies for a true horde mode like the point system? Unlocking new areas as you play, buying perks with points, etc. Um... Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like this is out of another universe. You know, if I'm going to be buying stuff, maybe there could be relics kind of like they did with the relics in Escalation Protocol, which nobody really used them, but the javelin that you could pick up uh, and kind of throw at people. Um, you could do something like that with relics that are on a timer, relics that can be unlocked. Maybe as you're playing, you're earning earning some type of a currency and then you can pick up the, uh, you know, pick up the, 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 you know, the, the relic. Somebody in chat saying buying modifiers. That would be pretty cool. Buying modifiers, like buying heavyweight, buying a singe, buying something. That'd be kind of neat. Maybe make it like where every time you buy a modifier, something else happens, though. If you buy heavyweight, they turn on grounded. If you buy, you know, arc singe, they turn on, you know, they, they, they lower something or match game i don't know could be something like that ginja 300 with a true horde mode in destiny would you like to see a point system like moats gathered you'd be able to purchase yeah somebody else just asked this question about purchasing things in the actual horde mode 
Uh, Unwit says, unpopular opinion, but I thought Prison of Elders Horde mode was pretty spot on, minus the annoying minds. Do you think that type of Horde mode would be good? I liked Prison of Elders. I liked Challenge of Elders. I think they had a good reward structure. I think that the biggest dilemma with Prison of Elders and Challenge of Elders is it landed at a time where people wanted to raid, and everyone was highly critical, probably overly critical of Prison of Elders. Uh, Froki, do you think Destiny 3 could save Destiny as a franchise? If not, could it save Bungie? Uh, this is just so broad and generic. I never know how to answer these questions. I feel like they've they've saved the game a couple of times now with Taken King and Forsaken. Um, you know, I I don't know if they need saving at this point. I think we've got to wait and see what they deliver. Uh, the, game's, the game's engagement numbers have faltered, but I think that's to be expected with where things are but they've also stabilized like even just yesterday 600,000 for PVE 500,000 for PVP that's kind of where it's been for a while Amstrom do you prefer the EP style horde mode or the haunted forest style horde mode uh EP style horde mode or the haunted forest I liked haunted forest more than EP I don't know why I haunted forest felt kind of like Binding of Isaac and Risk of Rain, right? You run through, beat the boss, run through again, and it's random and a little bit harder, a little bit harder, a little bit harder. An EP was just kind of like run here, kill ads, mini boss, run here, kill ads, mini boss, and it's all in the same area. I don't know. I, th- I liked Haunted Forest more, even though something about the sense of it being somewhat random and different each time, it's I liked it. But again, it felt more like a imitation of a rogue than a than a horde mode. Uh, Breath Shadow. Playing level 2 Reckoning today with 4 randoms at 690. We failed 3 times just because 2 out of the 4 got sniped. What can be improved to make Reckoning less frustrating? I don't know. I think Reckoning is just crap from the bottom to the top. I just think it's bad content. It's too easy to get stomped off. You have to spot, you have to, you have to use exotics and supers in a very specific way. If one person dies or gets bounced off, you fail. I saw somebody comment on Reddit. They're like, I fail this because I get stomped off. I fail this because I get stomped off. Like, stomping is just ridiculous. You know, it's just, it's everywhere. And then the snipers, sure. Basically, if somebody's not running a well of radiance, the snipers will probably kill you. If the snipers don't kill you, then you'll get behind on super spam and the ogres, the minotaurs, or the knights will freaking pound the ground and knock you off. You aren't typically dying in reckoning because you made a tangible, coachable mistake. Somebody dies to something cheesy as frick and you got to start all the way over again because it's so much about super spam and a small window for error. You're very rarely dying in the reckoning and being like, well, if we'd only done this, like it just isn't like that. King D, how would you make horde mode work? It seems kind of hard when they always implement uh, these horde mode activities like EP blind well, wouldn't it seem like a redundant activity? Everything in these games is redundant, though. You're always replaying something, whether you're replaying Strikes, the Raids, the Nightfalls. You're replaying content. You play Borderlands or Diablo, you replay the content. Division, you replay the content. Like, games have replay repetition built right into the game. That's just what you do in these games. Bumble17. Does a a six-man matchmate activity need to be as mechanically simplistic as possible? A lot of us have run into people that don't understand the mechanics and strikes forges at some point. Yeah, it's gotta be pretty straightforward. It does. Um, That's always the dilemma, I think, with Bungie's game. It's been a dilemma since... I remember being asked during a talk before Destiny 2 came out, what's their greatest challenge? It's the same challenge back then that they face now. They gotta satisfy very casual players and hardcore players. Hardcore players are like, this is too easy, the mechanics are dumb, and casual players are like, yo, I'm playing just to have fun, I don't understand the mechanics, I'm playing with people that don't get the mechanics, you know? More cat. Miss the talk. Skip if you covered it. There's already like seven hard mode like activities. Do we need another? How would a new one be unique and different? I outlined kind of how it would be unique and different with the charging and discharging of the bounties. We've never really had an environment where if you get really, 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 really far, you get better stuff. We've just never really had that. The further you got in the, you know, the Haunted Forest, it just gave you more of the currency to buy the weapon. It wasn't, and it wasn't even like a, you get way more for getting farther, you just get more each time. So it was, it was just like, not the same. 
Thank you, um, Man or Mouse for the sub. I think I missed Zombie Kill and Macintosh as well for their subs. Thank you guys. One ED is really another horde mode. The answer to issues with loot, in my opinion, we have plenty of horde modes. Meanwhile, existing content, including other horde modes, are left behind. I think I'd be okay with the horde mode because I'm kind of holding out hope that they're going to repurpose the forges, uh, escalation protocol, and the blind well as loopable content. Again, I'm not saying horde mode would save Destiny or make the game better. It's just a really, really good loop, and you put dope rewards and a dope reward structure in there, and I think people would grind it. Ashen Annihilator. Is it worth the core investment to Masterwork Armor? What exactly are the benefits if there are none? How could they make it worth it? You get more resistance um, while you're, you know, wearing that. So, like, here... I got a masterwork pair of boots. It reduces all incoming damage while your super is active. Reduces incoming arc damage from non-guardian enemies. So you can create elemental resistance as well as resistance while you're in your super. You get that on all five pieces. It's not really worth it in a lot of folks' mind. Most of us just end up saving our masterwork cores, our enhancement cores, whatever. I have 29 now that I, I earned by doing spider's bounties. And once I'm done with spider's bounties, I do another one. I do another round of them next week. And then I just save them because I know as soon as the next deal lands I'm gonna have a greater need to infuse that's greater than the need to like add resistance in my mind uh, Phoenix do you feel like Bungie is preparing for a big reveal at E3 or Guardian Con trials or a horde mode I don't know someone said there's a rumor trials will be playable at at, at, uh, at Guardian Con I feel like people are drumming up drumming up you know just like whispers in the wind that'd be kind of a weird thing now I could see them doing that at Guardian Con and tapping folks on the shoulder to play in like a tournament to showcase the new mode I don't know at this point I don't know why Bungie would put any more chips on the table of trying to have something competitive it hasn't gotten traction it didn't get traction with Gambit it's not getting traction with Gambit Prime it didn't get traction with Trials in the past like Lion Share the player base doesn't touch it um, you know, the tournaments always did well with viewership, but I don't know. I feel like every time they try to do competitive, there's just so much complaint about imbalance, map design, and everything else. I don't know if they would suddenly try and like really double down on more, another competitive effort. Uh, so when I think about, you know, oh, there's tournaments for Gambit Prime coming up, Lono. Well, we're gonna, that, that remains to be seen how well received that is and how many rules they have to come up with to put certain things into check that maybe the competitive community decides is just completely imbalanced and too strong with regards to the armor perks and when you can invade, etc. I just think there's a lot of things that are going to make those, those tournaments somewhat silly if they don't really put certain things in check. Um, so... Aiden says, uh, I know it isn't relevant to this SNTR, but I watched SNTR on PvP, and what if they're reworking the Crucible for a more Titanfall style of PvP, where two teams of 6-8 Guardians, each team with an extra handful of bots? You asked this question the other day. I already answered this question. This is identical from the other day. Number one, I don't know if the engine can handle it. Number two, I don't know if people want more PvP blended with PvE by putting in bots, like in Attrition, in Titanfall. Um, I don't think your your idea is necessarily wrong. I think it's unlikely given what they've said about how it's going to retain its pure essence of being player versus player. Ragnarsson. Is a horde mode worth it when the boss with the boss stomp fest? I'm tired of stomps. If Bungie cannot get created with bosses in a measured way, I'm not interested. Well, I'm not too concerned about a stomp ruining horde mode. Uh... Certainly it causes issues in, uh, certainly it causes issues whenever you're dealing with, um, friggin', you know, reckoning. It's frustrating. It's not frustrating in the forges. You know, go fan and, I'm sorry, Valunder, that, you know, that guy, that's the Cabal guy can stomp you. It's not that big of a deal. It's not, it's not game breaking. And that's kind of a horde mode environment. Uh, Haunted Forest was a horde mode environment, kind of, and the stomps weren't that bad. Blind Well, the stomps aren't that bad. Stomps are only bad when, out of necessity, you're in close proximity to enemies that just constantly freaking do it. That's the issue. In Reckoning, especially, you gotta jump over guys that are stomping the ground. You'll die in the freaking air if Blackout's on. It's totally bogus. Nowhere near the enemies, right? Nowhere near them. 
He's hitting the ground with his fist. I'm in the air, and it's counting it as a melee hit. It's just stupid. That needs retooled, recoded. If and knocking me back when I'm behind them and up in the air behind them, like it needs to only happen if you're in front of them and get struck by the the actual hit itself, or if you're actually on the ground next to it. It should not count when you're in the freaking air. That would at least create some dynamic engagement with the content instead of being like just melee to cancel. What if you jump? Kind of like when you jump to avoid the ground slam in, you know, in Riven, you know, things like that. If they're going to do some type of stomp or some type of knockback, give us a way to, like, to mitigate or manage that pain. It's stupid. And as Tin Man's saying, they stop before they even spawn in. I got knocked off once by a black cloud. There was this black spawning cloud. I went back to get heavy ammo, and I got stomped. And you could clearly see in the footage there were, the, the, the enemy hadn't even spawned yet. Taken King. If they do make a horde mode, do you think they will rework Escalation Protocol and tie in with a new mode to put the bounties with random rolls? I think anything from year one that's going to get repurposed isn't going to get repurposed until September. Whatever they have planned for September, I think they're I think they're going to wait and hold on to the Forges, Blindwell, Escalation Protocol. All those things are going to be held on to. I don't think they're going to be, oh yeah, we better make sure and do that now. I think Penumbra is going to focus on new things, a new raid, a new six-man activity, and a new environment. Now, if they reuse the Castellum, people are just going to complain about recycled content, but I think most of the community be like, I never really went to the Castellum. You know? Oh, I can match make right into there? That's cool. Oh, the rewards are cool? Dope. Let's go check it out. You know? I don't know if they're going to start reworking old stuff until September when the next annual pass is going to need bolstered quite a bit. Niji Wave. If the Horde Mode bounty showed you the reward at tier 3, 5, 7, and 10, allowing the player to judge what's their challenge reward threshold. Right, like, I, I think you'd want it to say, obviously, the higher you go, there is, you know, there's currency rewards at every wave that go up, and then there's a percentage boost to the drop rate of curated rolls. So if you're going for the hand cannon, let's say there's a hand cannon, every wave you go higher gives you more currency but also it gives you a greater chance of the curated roll dropping because obviously we would hope they would set it up in such a way as that the curated rolls become the you know the main thing uh, that you go for it's like the, you know, if you're going to be going for a gun, you would hope they would make the curated rolls the best, and then that's what everybody would want, and you could have that be like a low drop rate, unless you get into the higher thresholds of the waves. Jinja 300. Would you like to see a class system similar to Gambit Prime in a horde mode, i.e. medic tank support? Somebody asked this. I'm not opposed to raids or even a horde mode, or even if it's not a horde mode, if it's just a match-made activity that's just endgame and it's intense, like Reckoning. I'm okay with them establishing roles and perk benefits from the armor. They just have to really think about the kind of game they want to be. Because if you're constantly dumping me in an environment where I need to be switching my armor, you need to, as I said before when I got this question a little bit earlier, you need to give me the ability to to swap armor effectively. I need a loadout system. I need a way to cycle through the various loadouts that are in the game. You know, you got your raid, you got your horde mode, you got your gambit prime, whatever ends up coming in. Um, by the way, if there's any more questions, you guys are going to want to submit those now. This was the last question. Because I'm, I'm a big proponent of saying, yes, let's add more perks. I want perks for the next raid. I want perks for this, perks for that. Like, contextual power, I think, is exciting. But you want to make sure you don't overwhelm the player. If I have a set for every planet, every activity, that could be good, because then you could have a reason to grind different planets and different loot pools, right? You could say, well, there's a reason for me to grind these planets and get their armor sets. There's there's benefits to when I'm running their strikes. There's benefits to whenever they're the flashpoint or whatever. But you wouldn't want it to be like a pain, a giant pain for you to swap your loadout. Because then every time you go to the planet or a strike, you feel like you're being sort of drugged through a chore as opposed to being like, oh, well, let me make sure and, you know, change my loadout very quickly, you know. 
Kersiax, first time tuning into this segment of the broadcast, do you what is it specifically you want in the, out of the future D2 release or Destiny 3? In Destiny 2, if they maintain a seasonal loot pursuit and things to do and stuff to chase, okay, if they maintain that for the next year or two, I'm totally okay with that, right? I'm 100% okay with that. But I the next game Destiny 3 they really need to go to another engine. They need to bigger areas, dedicated servers. There's there's a very very high likelihood that we're looking at new consoles in the future. Those new consoles, you're really going to need them to, you know, be immaculate. You know, the, the games that run on them are going to need to be high level. People are not going to upgrade from their PS4 to their Xbox One if there's not a significant reason to do so. And when you get these new consoles, you're not going to want to be running Destiny on this old Tiger engine. I just, it's too limiting. It takes too long to build content. The areas are pretty small, you know, peer to peer. They can't do dedicated servers. They said they'd have to rebuild the entire background architecture of the game. If you expect any type of PvP to be taken serious in the future, you can't keep doing peer to peer. I just can't envision anybody buying a, a, a game. And the next question right here, XPZ says, D3 in 2020 or 2021? I've been saying 2021. A lot of people are saying 2020 to coincide with the new consoles. Either year, either year, I cannot imagine anybody, anybody buying a game and taking the PvP serious in 2020 or 2021 where it's peer to peer. You got Apex Legends, you got PUBG, you got Fortnite, you got Overwatch, you got CSGO, you got all these mainstay player versus player games, and none of them are peer-to-peer. They're all dedicated servers. You can't expect anybody to take your game seriously with peer-to-peer. I I cannot imagine anybody caring, and that's part of my reasoning of like, if they're going to keep PvP around, then do it right. You gotta do it right. Dedicated servers, lots of different designs to the maps, let the game breathe, put more distance between us and the other players, maybe go to bigger matches, like, I don't know, like, do something to let the the supers, the shoulder charge abilities, the shotguns, the really strong weapons, let the game breathe. We're just always on top of each other in this game, and it just feels like a meat grinder, and I feel like that's one of the reasons folks just switch from this to this to this to complain about because it always kind of feels like whatever the next season of dominance is it's just a lot of things that are unpreventable getting killed by a super getting killed by a heavy getting killed by a shoulder charge someone you know sliding around the corner with a shotgun you know bumble 17 how important is inactivity protection for rewards in this horde horde mode does it need to be doable as a five man to account for one person who's afk well, obviously, you would hope that you could go in and challenge yourself and, you know, limit how many people can come in. You know, see a Sasquatch. Limit how people can come in. If you want to do a challenge with your buddies and four-man it, you need to be able to block people from coming in, like the firewall thing they did with Haunted Forest. We are going to be getting that same feature with uh, the Verdant Forest, which is in the, the Revelry, which starts tomorrow. Uh, and if... If they allow you to do that, then I would I would hope that it would be doable with smaller teams just as a challenge. Now, your question's about, like, well, what about AFK protection? I don't really know the answer for AFK protection. I don't. I don't know the answer for AFK protection. AFK protection would be potentially you get kicked for inactivity. Uh, you get kicked for not doing anything. Um, maybe you got to go ready up in between each round. And if you don't ready up in between each round, you get kicked. You have like a timer. You got to go touch a flag and ready up. Now, I don't know if Bungie has internal mechanisms to do this. I don't, but I think that's one of the issues is that if you, if you set up a nice macro that you step, step, shoot, reload, step, step, shoot, reload, eventually you're going to shoot an enemy. Eventually you're going to do something that the game might interpret as genuine. Uh, so they've got to think about some form of like readying up or something. I'm fairly certain in the forges, if you don't shoot the boss, you don't get any loot. Cause I would be doing question and answer and I would just be killing people and doing my super a bunch and be like, Oh, I'm killing ads like crazy. And I wouldn't shoot the boss and I wouldn't get the loot at the end. So something like that could also help. 
Taken King. Would you like to see bounties being used for raids? Could give us a way to get cores and cool loot. They already do bounties through Hawthorne for the raids. They're unique each week for another powerful. Uh, Emstrom. Activity specific perks, are they necessary? Nice to have or take them or leave them? I don't think they're necessary if you make guns that are cool enough. Uh, my concern would be there's not enough influence over the flow of the game with armor perks to really make them feel like they're worthwhile. Um, that would be my biggest concern. Um, is that you know if if you're not if you're not actually getting something that feels worthwhile then you'd have to say okay well you know why 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 am i doing this like am i grinding for this am i grinding for this uh am i grinding for this piece of gear just for the sake of it or is it actually going to make a difference uh you know is it going to make a significant difference in my experience or is it going to you know or is it going to be just be kind of a joke like that's one of the reasons I feel like whenever you put on armor a lot of times people are like oh we only had armor perks armor perks in raids help with a specific task right when you get torn between dimensions when you're picking up a you know a, a cannon when you're picking up a charge whatever they landed on specific tasks in the raid as opposed to just being like a nice perk uh so I would think that you would want it to be something's either specific to the encounter or really start to rethink how we how we gain strength and how we feel strong in the game with perks on your armor. Because like, oh, a little bit of resistance here, a little bit of this there, a little bit of this, that there. If they're so marginal that you don't feel like it changes your experience, what's the point? When you get a different perk on a gun, you immediately know, oh, wow, feeding frenzy is significantly better than fill in the blank, right? You know, feeding frenzy is just better. I can feel a difference in my gameplay. I can feel a difference in how quickly I reload. It's like, well, I'm getting my grenade a little bit quicker, like a second or two quicker now that I got this pair of, you know, gloves or boots or whatever. It's harder to detect. Now, let's say in the new horde mode, there's a grab the relic and run and hit the boss, right? What if there's a chess piece from the horde mode? We're guessing there's a horde mode, guys. The new six-man activity. We're speculating it might be a horde mode. Um, what if there's a chess piece with the perk that when you're holding the staff, uh, increase agility and you know resistance to slam or something? Well, that would have a tangible benefit in that environment for a particular thing that you're doing. See, that's what they did in the raids. That's why it never really felt like, and they're like, oh, we didn't want to restrict your freedom. That attitude doesn't make any sense to me. If I'm grinding the raid and I want the raid gear and I get perks from the raid gear to run the raid, that makes perfect sense to me. It doesn't restrict my freedom at all. I don't have to run the raid armor. If I do, I feel like I get a pretty nice perk. You basically took away raid perks to give us more freedom, but that we but we didn't gain any freedom. It just felt like well, you made the raid armor less interesting now. It's all you accomplished. You could go into Wrath, you could go into Kingsfall, you could go into Vog, any one of those raids with armor that you liked. Well, maybe not Vog, because I think you had to run the wear the armor to raise your level. So let's just talk Wrath and Kingsfall. You could run Wrath and Kingsfall with whatever armor you wanted. You didn't need... You did not need those perks. But the cool thing was... When I got a pair of gauntlets for King's Fall that were Scout Reload, and they had the King's Fall perk of increased reload in the aura, and I was using an Angel's Advocate Scout that got Outlaw, I had Outlaw proccing, I had the gloves increasing reload, and the aura increasing reload. It was silly fun, and it made the gun reload at a broken speed. That doesn't limit my freedom, that's fun, that's creative. See what I'm saying? Like, I... That's why with armor, I don't know what else they can really do to make armor dope other than something like that. By Hova. I know you're not a PvP person either, neither am I. I do enjoy sometimes for a change of pace. With the lack of desire for Gambit this season, I decided to grind for the Redricks. Uh, one reset left. What are your thoughts on Bungie adding powerful effects for revelry where revelers will even more dangerous than the Crucible? I just want to finish the stupid thing. I mean, you're going to be stronger in the Crucible with the, with the, with the tonic. They said that in the thing. So you will. 
Warcat. What do you think the chances of crossplay would be for Destiny 3? I think the fact that Epic replied to them going independent, I think Epic and Bungie could make a, a very, very nice team. I, you know, the background, the background architecture of the Epic launcher granting crossplay would be perfect for Destiny. Skill in the wind. How early do you think they should announce that there are switching engines for D3 if that is in fact the case? Personally, that would be enough for me to hope in the future of the game to be excited. The very first vid doc. I don't know why people call them Vidocs. It's a video doc. Vid doc. The very first vid doc, they look square in a camera. Luke Smith says, for Destiny 3, we wanted to pull out all the stops. Bigger, bigger worlds, more, you know, more places to chase, more loot to get. And in order to do that, we had to change engines. And this is what we're working on. Boom, and you go to like a montage of people be like, with the Unreal Engine, we've discovered that we can actually make larger worlds and create an infrastructure that engages with dedicated servers to give players more seamless experiences for co-op as well as just larger places to explore and find new adventures. Boom, like that's it. You just start talking to the developers and showing what they're working on. Like, this is what we're able to do now. Right? It's not VidDoc. Right, but you're shortening the word video. VidDoc is a shortening of the words video and documentary, right? So you're shortening video. VidDoc. VidDoc. If I'm shortening video, I chop off the back of the word. Don't debate me on this, okay? Don't. Nobody says video. Why are you suddenly pronouncing video vi? It doesn't make any sense. In any case, that's exactly... That's exactly how they would do it, right? They would say, you would have Luke Smith look dead in the camera and say, we wanted Destiny 3 to be, to pull out all the stops. We really, truly wanted it to be a brand new game. And in order to do that, right, we needed to switch to a new engine. Now, what he could say is, this means... This means the launch date of Destiny 3 is a little bit further out than we wanted it to be, but we believe this will help us make a better game. Any person with two brain cells to rub together would hear that statement and be like, that's fine, you, I'll wait till 2021. That's totally fine. If, if, you've, if you've got to push it back beyond where you were hoping to launch it and we are going to get a better game and you got developers really backing that idea i can't imagine anybody watching that and be like yeah i want it now if people say that forget those people they don't matter they're gonna buy the game regardless that's exactly how that's exactly how i would phrase it that's how i would structure the whole thing just be honest with people I think people are becoming interested in the idea of making games. That's why vid docs exist. It's cool to hear the developers talk about, we tried this, we learned this, we're doing this, we wanted to add this, we wanted to create this environment. Like, it's people find that interesting. They might not be able to afford to wait until 2021. If they can figure out the internal developmental bandwidth to maintain and create annual pass content for the next two years, I think they'll do just fine. I think they'll do just fine. I think people will buy the annual pass content. I think the little injections of free stuff with the little micros to buy the emotes. I bet you those emotes are selling pretty well. I I do. I bet you they're selling pretty well because it's exactly what I said they need to do before. Make it clear. How much does it cost? Five bucks for an emote. Boom. Easy for my brain to understand. This is how much silver I need. Let me buy the box. They've shifted the Eververse in the direction that I said it needed to go. Direct purchase that is a clear one-to-one connection of the currency so the consumer knows what they're getting and for how much. If they can nail the free events and the cool emotes along with the rhythmic annual pass delivery of content, they can ride this out to 2021. They can. Naxia, thank you for the Prime sub. Manor Mouse, I think I missed your sub a little bit ago. No, I think I thanked you for it. You're 100% right. I just think as a business, they want the game uh, out ASAP. They got to pay wages. You got to understand something. They're not doing a revenue share with Activision anymore. So if they can generate really, really good revenue with the, with the, uh, the Eververse, they get all that revenue. They're not doing a revenue split with Activision anymore. So at the, at the end of the day, they could be netting really healthy profits with minimal Destiny 2 effort to fund the next game. They could also have 
private investors. They could also have a percentage of investors coming in. Epic could be helping. Bungie could, I'm sorry, Microsoft could be helping. Phil Spencer's language in that tweet that we looked at, very interesting language about working on his favorite franchise. Not just working with, working with and on. Both words are used. Very interesting language from Phil Spencer. You know, so they could be getting they could be getting uh, private investors and other things. Now, yes, that equals revenue sharing. Sure, sure, that they, they could be they could be. Um, I didn't even know that was you. Opinions got you banned. That was a shot at you. I just remembered us debating that, and there was actually both words used. I remember that debate. I don't remember who the debate was with. Even if it's private revenue, uh, private investors equal revenue sharing. Eugene, if they know. If they if they if they're projecting this game to be bigger and better and on a great platform like Epic and creating crossplay and all those dots that would really make the game super popular and sell really well, then that revenue share maybe could be a little bit more competitive than whatever revenue share that share they have with Activision. That also means maybe they're not revenue sharing right now. If they do a revenue share agreement with private investors for Destiny 3, they don't owe those people any money until Destiny 3 starts selling. Right now, they're not revenue sharing with anybody, hopefully. So all sales of the annual pass of microtransactions of the Eververse, all that money is going directly to Bungie, hopefully. And if private investors come in, if Epic and Microsoft come in, and even Sony come in and say, we want to help fund the next game, we want to help you guys do this, we obviously want a slice, they don't get a slice until the next game starts selling, that's the way those contracts work. Which means, at the moment, they're able to stay afloat by the sheer nature of just Destiny 2 alone. So... Who was CEO before Phil Spencer? I have no idea. Phil Spencer is a rock star. Bronze Cactus. <clears throat> what do you think D3's old Chicago map will be three? Uh, what about Europa? Okay, so this is from the rumors of Shadow of the Nine of the Nine. I got no idea, man. I got no idea. But I will say, Old Chicago, when I hear that, I immediately think bigger environments. Immediately. Immediately. How are you going to take me to Chicago and not have it immediately feel way bigger? way way bigger uh buildings and stuff as soon as i saw that old chicago i was like man they really really they really really might be going the distance here because you can't create those buildings even if you dilapidate even if you make them all dilapidated and like fallen down it doesn't matter chicago's enormous the buildings are gigantic. Even if you chop them down or have them fallen over, they, they, everything will be massive. Old Chicago? You know, Russia was like all sprawled out and planes and ships and stuff. I don't know. I feel like Old Chicago sounds like they could really be, again, building a bigger game. Poison Quantum. Do you think they are going to keep going with the same classes or finally make new ones? I would think they would go with the same classes uh, maybe new abilities, new powers, new supers. Josh McKenna, what did you think of the etheric light leveling from D1? I kind of liked it, but I think Rise of Iron had a more streamlined approach. I felt like once we got to Rise of Iron and Age of Triumph, the leveling was fine, except for they they didn't, I don't, maybe they didn't properly think through this, the uh, where you could go to get certain things, right? where you could go to get like a ghost and a mark was super limiting and it really choked leveling it was pretty frustrating actually during rise of iron you would kind of hit like a wall and you couldn't level at all anymore it was a similar it was a similar situation to what we have now in destiny 2 not quite uh, not quite as serious more cat hoping the new six man activity has a good grind loop to it do you think bungie will limit it to daily or weekly drops or just allow us to continually grind for non-powerfuls if there is something that I feel like we have consistently demanded for, it's let us keep chasing it. Let us keep chasing it. Do not limit this to daily or weekly. That is so freaking dumb. So dumb. There has been more and more people. I've seen it on Reddit. I've seen it on Twitter. More and more people are promoting the idea of we need Ada's bounty style everywhere. And everybody keeps saying, look, Say No to Rage has been saying that for five months, six months, four months, whatever. People keep commenting on these tweets and they're like, yo, Say No to Rage has been saying that for a while. 
but it's starting to catch on. Why? Because you exposed us to a good system with agency, player volition, right? You have that intentionality of what you want to chase, and then the RNG of the random rolls, and you just keep chasing it. More and more people are like, why is this not in Season of the Drifter? Why is this not in more places in the game? The raids, Zavala, Shax, everybody, you know? I've seen posts on Reddit, and I've seen tweets from other content creators um, there's a post on the forum saying every vendor needs to be like Ada because she's perfect I'm telling you it's catching fire it's catching fire and I'm not saying I deserve credit what I'm saying is we always have conversations here and in a week two weeks three weeks four weeks it starts to permeate through the community and all of a sudden you start seeing these posts and tweets pop up with the ideas that we've been discussing it happens uh, Novite96. I've always had the thought that if the community gave some ideas for raids and or some components we've never seen, what's your thought of Bungie would go that route and gather ideas from the community? They already do that. They already do that. There's elements, there's elements to the, to the raids and the systems that came right from the community. 100%. Yeah. They're, they, they do pull ideas from the community. Trust me. They do. Uh, Little Light. Why do you think Bungie isn't willing to go full horde mode, especially since they have the settings for it instead of doing two levels of horde, forges, four levels of blind well, seven on escalation protocol? Seems like they're going backwards. Thoughts? I mean, I'd be interested to just ask them, okay, what prevented you in the haunted forest? What prevented you from taking the timer away and just letting us go until we fail? A team wipe, you know, whatever. What prevented you from doing that? Why not? Would be my question. Even if you get to a ceiling of difficulty, like you can only take the Delta so far, couldn't you just increase ad saturation in some of the areas and eventually, eventually people would wipe and fail on wave 16, 17, 18, 19, whatever? Or just continue to lower the light level of the player? Something like that, like how you do with the modifier for Nightfall. I'd, I would love an answer from Bungie. Like, is there an actual technical reason why you guys don't do something like that? Or is it just like a philosophy of a design philosophy of like, we want them to be encased in counters. Now I can hear Bungie right now. I can hear them saying for a match made encounter. We don't envision it being good for it to go on for forever. Cause eventually people need to leave and that could really hurt the player experience. And then if somebody leaves at level 9 and somebody gets thrown in at level 9, that could be very frustrating. I, I, could, I can almost script the answer of them saying that might not be good for the experience of the player given that it has matchmaking. My pushback to that would be, okay, why not have three versions of the Haunted Forest? Normal, and then you have Firewall, and then you have Infinite. So when you click on infinite and you're going to match make into infinite, you know you're probably you might get thrown into wave 8, 9, 10 or whatever cuz people go in and leave. You also know that when you pick infinite, you're going in and probably wanting to stay in there for the long haul. So it'd be less likely for you to have people leaving, right? People won't grind that. They'll figure out the best level to go to and then restart after that level. Not necessarily, Eugene. As I said before in my talk, if every level grants you more rewards, every level you get adds a multiplier to how many shards, glimmer, enhancement cores you get, right? Every level you go increases the percentage of the chance on the drop rate of the curated roll on the weapon. So sure, you're like... Well, at level 10, we could just wipe and we get like a 5% chance on the gun. But if you get to level 15, that chance goes way up. Like it gets another bump, it gets another hit. Um, Now somebody might say, well, wouldn't it be worth it just to keep running it? It's faster to get to this percentage and then start over. Hit this percentage and start over. Again, you'd really want to incentivize people to keep going because they're going to get so much more stuff. And you could also have it be on their on their 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 emblem, like how many waves they've cleared. Opinions get you banned. Out of all the raids, in your opinion, what raid hit the most balance between the casual, hardcore, and why do you think that? Uh, Wrath of the Machine is a perfect raid. I think it's a perfect raid. The only thing it's missing is the 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 
the increase in difficulty philosophy that was in King's Fall was perfect because they designed hard first and then they dialed it back for normal. Wrath bumping up to hard wasn't wasn't as cool or as significant I think as King's Fall was. Once you did Wrath hard and challenge mode, especially challenge mode at Axis, I feel like it was a perfect raid. Internal currency, great perks, rerolling the gear. Uh, you could play it more than three times and get rewarded. Extra chests to give you more volition and intentionality in your grind. There was so much about Wrath that was perfect. Really. Wrath was easier on hard. I don't really remember why that would be the case, but I do remember us not really struggling. I just assumed that was because we got we got pretty good at it. It wasn't it wasn't exactly a hard raid. It was an in, it was more of an intense raid than a hard raid. Bumble 17. What would you think about a horde mode being in the throne room? You get your projection on Callus in the void room, punch a scion, number of people who successfully punch a scion determines how much time you get in the next round. Yeah, I don't know if that room would be big enough for a horde mode, though, because Stellum is pretty big. You want a lot of space if you're going to do a horde mode. Evil the Waffler. I agree they need a new engine. My fear is we won't get the game until 2022 or later if that happens. If What happens if they do that? If they, again, if they can keep this, if they can keep this cash cow going, then that's how they get us to get us to that, that year, you know? Commander Tyke, do you think new six-player activity in Season of Opulence should have mechanics like in a raid or without mechanics, uh, but hard like Tier 3 Reckoning? I would like it to be mechanics that are pretty simple. Again, if it's a match-made activity, you don't want to go too hard. It has to be pretty easily deduced. I feel like the mechanics and escalation protocol were pretty easy to figure out. Sagato. Uh, how would you believe the DLC in D2 would be while working on D3 long run? Would it ramp up resources, both human financially, D2 DLC, D3 would suffer, wouldn't it? Well, as I said, I've answered this question numerous times. It would trickle annual pass to keep it going. Um, Ave at seven with five months. Uh, Naxiot, did I think your prime sub? I think I did. Red Strike Tiger with three months. Thank you. Uh, itchy one grip after Bungie reduced subclass customization to three separate presets the game went into fecal matter okay the only reason exotics mattered was because of the freedom until that this is rectified the game will be lit do you agree no you're being way too hyperbolic thank you 44 zip zip for three months as well you're being way too hyperbolic most of the perk combinations that you could pick in D1 were the illusion of choice almost nobody ran certain perks because most of the perks it was clear what you were going to pick. So I actually think when you pick like an arc subclass now, having three separate attunements is far more significant than what you had in D1. I think we have a false memory of the freedom we had in D1. I don't think it was a true freedom. I think it was an illusion of freedom. I really do. Dwegun. Uh, what does it change D3 will need to be on its own unique game? I've already answered this. Dedicated servers, new engine, much bigger areas. Uh, evil clown do you think Bungie will keep PvP or make it more story driven PvP is staying but I think it's going to be larger I think they're going to jettison the idea of having like small compact maps and competitive environments I think they're just going to go bigger environments with with more magic I, I just think they've tried the more stripped down approach and it hasn't worked mook me with 23 months so close to 24 months thank you Dwegoon uh, where do you think the last city is? I have no idea. JD Gamer, do you think we could see a return of prestige raids or at least see a return of hard mode inside of D2 raids? No, I think they've gotten rid of that idea. I hope they bring it back. I think that I think the, the difficulty spectrum in King's Fall was so well done, they need to recapture that philosophy. Design hard first and then scale back from there. I, that, I would just continue to press on the raid team to do that. I thought that was such a better way. Uh, do you feel Bungie should bring back hard mode? Just answered it. Uh, Matrix. How do you feel about Sony blocking character transfers and cross-save in Destiny 2? Probably should do a talk about this. Pretty frustrating to find out that it's possible. How long have I said it was possible? How long, chat? Tell them. Tell them. Scream it from the back. I've been saying this for years. That cross-save has got to be super easy. Why? All of our stuff's on the Bungie.net servers. I've been saying this for a super long time. I don't need to boot up my Xbox or my PC to move my gear around. Why? All my gear is stored on the Bungie.net servers. So cross-save has been possible for for the longest time. I've always said, it's got to be because of Sony. It has to be because of Sony. 
I've been saying, and here's the thing. I think if they can get free of Sony exclusivity contractual obligations, they could start to play nice with PC and Xbox. And then that puts pressure on PS4. That's what happened with Fortnite. Everyone's like, come on, man. Come on, Fortnite. Get with the freaking program, you know? And eventually it happened. Epic, right? Epic made Sony bend the knee. I think if you continue to really push on the fact that like, hey man, Borderlands 3 has got cross-play between PC and Xbox. What the frick are you doing, Sony? Right? So it was, we can have cross-save? We, we technically, yes. I have said for years, from a technical side, it is not that difficult because everything's on the Bungie.net servers. If you boot up your Xbox, it would ping the Bungie.net servers and pull down all your stuff. You're done. It saves. It saves everything to the Bungie.net servers. You go to pull down your PC character, same thing. It just pulls down all your information. Sony literally blocked it. Sony blocked transferring accounts as well. Yeah, if people wanted to upgrade to PC, that's another thing that cross-save would grant you is essentially a player, a character transfer. Don't you remember when we knew that Destiny 2 was going to have a staggered launch on PC? Everyone was like, are they going to give us character transfer? Are they going to give us cross-save? And a lot of us said, this might be the time we finally get it because there'll be an actual purpose behind it. It's like, we launched on PC as a staggered launch. A lot of us speculated that we might be getting cross-save or at least a one-time character transfer. And Sony, the most anti-consumer, anti-gamer company in existence, they blocked it. They need to get with the program. Here's the thing. Sony has a fantastic platform. Sony has fantastic games. They've got great relationships with 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 uh, with you know their all their all their exclusivity. But they block things like character transfer, cross save, cross play. They block it. You can't tell me it's not possible when Epic finally put enough pressure, right? They put enough pressure, and then they all of a sudden, oh yeah, it's fine. You can do cross play on on Fortnite. Come on, that what? Xbox boss clap, uh, blocked cross-platform last gen. The culture shifted, though. Phil Spencer's become a giant, a, a giant, right, c- proponent of cross-play. They're not anti-consumer. They're repaying last gen. How is that not anti-consumer, though, Zach? How is that not anti-consumer? You have like a vendetta against last gen, so you're like digging your heels in, and the consumers lose because of it. Come on. That was like when I couldn't watch one of my television shows because AT&T and some network were in a dispute. What? That that hurts me as a consumer. I don't give a crap what's going on behind the curtain. You know? It just feels like it's vindictive at this point. It's easier for Phil Spencer to save from second place. Well, not necessarily Big Mouth Strike. Phil Spencer even came out publicly and said they're no longer spending money on third-party exclusives. When they paid for Tomb Raider to be exclusive for one year, they got a lot of negative press for it. People were really annoyed, and Phil Spencer came out and said, we are pivoting away from paying for third-party exclusives. We would rather focus on just delivering great content to our player base. So, to me... You know, there's been a shift in culture, and you can't be like, oh, well, you did it in the past, so we're just going to keep doing it. You know? Okay, fine. Xbox did it last generation. Do you have another point other than that? You guys just keep saying, well, Xbox did it last generation. Okay. Was it good for consumers back then? No. Is the landscape of gaming changed? Yes. I can play Fortnite here on my Switch. On my PC, on my Xbox, on my PS4, the landscape of gaming is changing. It's not this, it's not this two consoles, only one can leave, you know, two enter, only one can leave fight anymore. It just isn't, it isn't needed, it's not a needed battle anymore. And you can't keep pointing to the past. That's just isn't good business. Are we gonna, like, do you, (laughs) do you really want Sony to come out and publicly say, you know what? We would open up cross-save and cross-play and player transfer, but Xbox did it first. Like, come on. My kids say that. Don't hit your sister. She did it first. I know. We've broken you guys apart. Peace has been established in the region. Stop hitting each other. And then he runs over and hits his sister. Well, but she hit me first. Yeah, it was 10 minutes ago. Well, my son's a three-year-old. He's not a multi-billion dollar corporation. 
you know? It, it, you're not speaking to the problem where you're like, oh, wait, they did it in the past. They did it in the past. Yeah, and it sucked back then too. It's holding back the evolution of gaming. It's holding it back. Uh, it's just Josh now. Do you think Bungie should lean into more RPG aspects in Destiny's future? Yeah, that's one of the rumors. That's one of the rumors. That they're going to go more uh, RPG. Uh, with a lot of the features and how the game feels. Here's the thing you got to understand. Here's the thing you got to understand about the whole crossplay disagreement, okay? At this point in time, it's not doing anything for Sony. And they've proven that because Epic kind of, again, Epic made them bend the knee. It was like, no, you will do this for the consumer. And sure enough, with enough time, it it, it happened, right? So Microsoft is excused for doing it. Again, you're doing that, you're living in the past thing. You're, you're, it's like my son saying, well, she hit me five minutes ago. It's like, that is irrelevant now. We've moved on from that. It's not happening anymore. Let's move on. And instead of moving on, we're like, but, 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 but back then they did it, right? It's like, okay, but now they're moving forward. Think about it. Think about it. Xbox, Xbox is allowing crossplay with the Switch. They didn't have to do that. They didn't have to do that. I don't know what the Switch saturation levels are, but certainly they I don't know if they're at the level of Xbox One after all these years. I, it's like Microsoft played nice with Nintendo. Like, hell's freezing over for Pete's sakes. <laughs> Microsoft and Nintendo are playing nice together? That's unheard of. They, they, they've never gotten along traditionally. Nintendo's always been very protective of their of their IP. I, it's one of those things, man. It, it's it's time for the it's time for the, the the expectations of gamers and what the services that are delivered to us to evolve. It's just it's time for it all to evolve, really. Yuri, seeing Drifter, you can exchange Gambit coins for Glimmer. Nice idea, but wouldn't it be better uh, to sell certain amounts of stacks of the moats you need? Uh, for the synthesizer, 15, uh, five coins, five green motes. Yeah, I mean, I'm not too concerned about his internal currency. You get plenty of the synths just from playing. I never felt like I didn't have enough synths. I really didn't. I, you get synths from playing Gambit hand over fist, and then you can go grind Reckoning. It's not, I, if you're starved for synths, maybe you're using them as a consumable too much or something. I don't know. Um, so I don't think they need to mess with that really. So we can keep discussing it. We can keep discussing crossplay with Sony, cross save, and everything else. That's the last question. I'm going to go ahead and wrap QA. We're going to stay live and keep talking. I'm going to do something really unique here in a little bit, I think. Uh, if you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always catch me live, twitch.tv slash say no to rage. That's with all my content. I appreciate you listening and watching. Please like, share, and subscribe. <laughs>